0: So you have to have a purpose in your life, first of all. What is that purpose? Is our purpose the same? Is our purpose different? Or is the plan different? How to arrive at that purpose? The purpose is your eternal destiny. is what God is planning for you to do or to be part of in time. So you leave a legacy. Now, a legacy is not good enough in time. If you're leaving things in time, it'll go. You need to leave a legacy that is eternal, that is everlasting. Everlasting. Only what God does is everlasting. What man does uh, passes away, is here today and gone tomorrow. So you have a purpose and God has a plan. Now, the plan, uh, God has names for the plan. In the Old Testament, he calls it uh, the king's highway. There's a highway for you to travel. It's called the king's highway. No fool shall err therein, the scripture says. That's what the scripture says, that nobody will stumble on this king's highway accidentally. But the king's highway will take you to fulfill your purpose on planet Earth. And I was interested in the testimony this morning, because a lot of the plan uh, of God initially is knocking the stuffing out of us uh, pride, arrogance, rudeness, etc., uh, etc. Et uh, and then he brings us to a place of really trusting Him, of really saying, "I will trust God no matter what. I will bless others even if it costs me." So there comes a time when we begin to, uh, God takes us through uh, uh, his plan to achieve his purpose in your life, in my life, in our lives, in the church's life. Um, That purpose today is the same for everybody. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel. And lo, I'm with you always to the end of the earth so the purpose your purpose is the same as my purpose the plan may be different the way to arrive there i may be a prophet a preacher etc etc it doesn't matter Uh, the plan may be different you may be financing the kingdom it doesn't matter what the plan is in a sense god's going to knock you out the, the stuffing out of you to get you to that that purpose so the plan could be difficult Where are you today in your life? What is happening in your life today? This is part of the plan of God. Sometimes the plan of God is unseen, unknown, uh, is a mystery. It's a mystery. God has wonderful mysteries. And he doesn't tell us quite often until we go through it. But the plan of God is to go you today, is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I'm with you always. So he is the king's highway. The king's highway that we read about in the Old Testament comes the reality in the New Testament. And so we begin to walk the king's highway in the king, through the king, for the king, by the king. It's not just a highway anymore. Now it has become the person of Jesus Christ. And we fulfill his purpose in our life by following his plan. His purpose is for us to go to all the world and preach the gospel. Now... Jesus grew in favour with God and man. Now, whether we like it or not, we live in two worlds. We live on planet Earth and we live in the eternal. We live in the realm of God. We live in God's realm. We live in God's world. So, And unless it's like having two feet, you can't stand up and walk properly. Unless you've got two feet. And if one foot is shorter than the other or one's crook or whatever, you know, you get around looking like a monster. Um, and so the two feet have to be working properly and well. So if you're going to fulfill the purpose of God, which is going to all the world and preach the gospel and follow his plan for your life, you've got to have your feet planted in heaven and on earth. If it's just on earth, you're too earthly to be of any heavenly good. If you're just in heaven, you're too heavenly minded to be of any earthly good. You're useless in both accounts. You need both of them working to make an eternal footprint to be able to leave a destiny. I don't want to leave a destiny on planet earth. I want to leave a destiny that's going to meet me in heaven. Planet earth is not enough for me. And, and the Lord Jesus, he, he said to us as he went away, go into all the world and preach the gospel. There you've got the thing of time and the thing of eternity. Go into all the world, which is of time, is of earth, is of earthy, and preach the gospel, which is the eternal, the everlasting. And so again, we've got the contrast. We have the two, the eternal and the natural, The thing of time and the thing of eternity. Go into all the world. We've got to go into the world. So we're in the world, but we're not of it. And we preach the gospel. And it's only what Jesus has actually done that will last forever. So we we preach the gospel and people get saved. People come to know the Lord Jesus. And it's wonderful. And Jesus is wonderful to us as individuals. He was truly God and truly man. The kenosis. He emptied himself of his divine attributes to become like us. Truly God, but truly man. Truly man, truly God. And of course he became truly God and truly man so that the man part could bring us to God and the God part could bring God to man. He puts the two of them together so that he can rescue mankind and you know when marjorie and i got engaged she uh <coughs> well i won't get into secrets um but um uh, and we fell in love you buy an engagement ring and uh etc and love and all sorts of things are said and commitments etc you know the greatest engagement ring ever forged was the one that Jesus gave us called a cross, called Calvary. The greatest engagement ring ever forged, the most costly of engagement rings ever forged was in the shape of a cross. Jesus gave it to us. Jesus gave it to us. It cost him everything. It cost him everything. The greatest engagement ring anybody has ever received on the whole planet through the whole of time and eternity, the engagement ring forged at Calvary. For God so loved the world that he gave us his son. He gave us the very best for the very worst And so he came to rescue us from our sin. And he said, I'm going to give you an engagement ring. And it's in the shape of a cross. We sing about it in the mornings. We live it, we walk it, we talk it. And the resurrection. And he said, I've given you an engagement ring because I'm going away. I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. An eternal place, an eternal home. I go to prepare a place for you. Because I've gone away, I will come back again. I will return to gather you to myself. And then we have in heaven, the wedding supper of the lamb and the bride. The engagement ring is just a promise of things to come. Forged at Calvary, consummated... In the eternal city, in heaven, in the home that Jesus has gone to build for us. And the gospel message is please come home, all is forgiven. You see, Jesus doesn't have an intellectual message, he has a heart message. Jesus came to win hearts, not heads. The greatest distance in the world, the greatest distance in the world is between your head and your heart. Between your head and your heart. There's no greater distance to get something from your head to your heart quite often takes a cross. Quite often takes a cross. And Jesus came to tell us that he loved us more than anything else. The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit loved us and was giving everything to us, for us, because of that love. And so we who have accepted the cross, we've accepted the engagement ring. But like engagement rings, they are a promise of something ahead, further on, a greater commitment, a greater um, expression of love and kindness. The scripture says that what Jesus has got prepared for us in eternity when we're married to the Lamb of God, is beyond our imagination. Mind cannot sing, heart hasn't entered the, the, the mind or heart of man at all. We just cannot imagine what God has got prepared for us. That's your legacy. So your legacy is not so much on earth, it's eternal. Because the being, this humongous dude called God, and it's beyond, beyond my pay rate to figure him out, Um he loves us and he wants to do so much for us and we just can't comprehend it and so we have to well you can imagine but it's not going to help you just have to accept it and really that's the culmination of faith culmination of faith and cooperation is lord your will be done on earth as it is in heaven as jesus prayed father i I don't really want to pass through this I don't actually want the plan. I actually don't want the plan. I want the purpose. I want the purpose. Jesus said, I want the purpose. I want a bride. I want a bride. But I don't particularly like the cross. But I understand it's going to be in my engagement ring. So here's the way I have to go. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. And his will was yours. And the scripture says, for the joy set before him he endured the cross. The joy of marriage, knowing us, um, et, cetera, et cetera, eternity. Don't understand it. Praise God for it. It's just beyond us. Just beyond us. And at Calvary... The five wounds, two, uh, one in each hand, one in the feet and the side, the five wounds that bled for us. Wounds of love, the side wound showed his love for us, blood and water, etc., etc. And um, But it was more than that. He was winning a battle for us. He was winning a battle for us. It was more a wedding ring as a promise, And God has made us endless promises in the scripture because of Calvary and have been fulfilled because he laid down his life. The five wounds, they say, represent the five stones that uh, David, when he was a shepherd boy, picked up when he was going to go and kill Goliath. The five wounds, the scripture talks about Jesus being King David's greater son. And David picked up five stones to take on the enemies of God, the enemies of the children of God, the people of God, the Israelites. The five stones killed death, hell, the grave, death, hell, grave, death, and uh, the purposes of God were fulfilled. Um, the flesh, the world, the devil, and hell on the grave. The flesh, the world, and the devil, hell and the grave. Your th- your five enemies. They say Goliath had four brothers, which were giants as well, so he got the stones (laughs) for when they were necessary. And God's plan is to bring us to that place of relationship with Jesus, not a head relationship. If it's head, uh, I'll give you a talk one day on uh, the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind is so, so important to understand the purposes of God in your life and how to achieve that purpose through the plans of God, the renewing of your mind to understand that. But we we find that God is taking us on a journey. He loves us, he cares for us, uh, he's coming back again, he's building a place for us to live with him. Uh, It's beyond anything on planet Earth that we can imagine. Beyond anything on planet Earth we can imagine. So if you're going to make eternal footprints in the sands of time, and you were God, I've probably mentioned this before, so some of you may know the answer, and you were God, so don't call out, the um please (laughs) and you were god and you wanted to tell people how to make eternal footprints in the sands of time you see because what we're talking about here is making eternal footprints in the sands of time things that will last forever in the sands of time eternal footprints in the sands of time um truly things of god but in a world that's passing away How can you make eternal footprints in the sands of time? If God said to you, I want to tell the world how to make eternal footprints in the sands of time, I want to be able to tell them um, in the scripture how to do it. Now, God can make it very simple. Now, where do you think God would put that information? Put it in Revelation? Put it in the Psalms? Put it in Genesis? Where would God actually tell you how to fulfill his purpose, his eternal purpose, in the sands of time. Where would he tell you? Psalms, Revelation, Genesis. Possibly in Genesis, because by the time you read Genesis, you may have dropped off to sleep. Well, before you've read Genesis, you probably drop off to sleep. So where would you put it in Genesis? You'd put it in chapter 1. If you were God, you'd sort of think, i better put it in chapter 1, otherwise I could be asleep. Where would you put it in chapter 1? How to make eternal footprints in the sands of time. God said I'll put it in the very first verse in the Bible. How to succeed, how to turn everything into gold that you touch. I'm talking about God's gold. Not talking about earthly gold. How to make things work in your life. Everything you touch turn to gold, God's gold how to make eternal footprints in the sands of time, God has told you in the very first verse of Genesis. In actual fact, he doesn't take, because we didn't have verses, he doesn't take the whole verse. He only takes half the verse to tell us in case you fall asleep, (laughs) reading it. And so when you read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, I'll read you the whole verse. I'll spoil you. All right? It says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth that's the whole verse but we won't worry about the heavens and the earth that's talking about eternity and time the heavens he may have been talking about the clouds and the space but we'll talk the eternal in the beginning god created if you put god at the beginning of the purpose he has for you if you put God at the beginning, he will create wonderful things in your life. But the hardest thing you will ever do on planet earth is put God at the beginning. You read the you read the scriptures. You read the scriptures. And it talks about how man, even King David, put self-interest, uh, uh, self-satisfaction, the flesh, the world, the devil, uh, how people wouldn't ask God, what about this plan, what about that plan? Uh, in the New Testament, talks about, don't say, I'm going to go to this city or that city, uh, just say, I will, God willing. Put, putting God first. In the beginning, God created. If you put God at the beginning, what was he going to do? Create. When he created, what we read in Genesis, it was good, very good, excellent, outstanding. It was paradise. What God creates is outstanding, even in the natural. What he creates in the beginning, if you put God at the beginning, in the beginning God created. The hard part is putting God, number one, on the throne of your heart on the throne of your heart that's the hardest part putting God on the throne of your heart because who's there you are (laughs) you're sitting on the throne of your heart determined to do whatever you want to do to fill your purposes on planet earth according to your plan that's just the way you're going to do it I'm on the throne of my heart But God says, in the beginning, God created. So if before you knew God, you were running your life. You may have had a certain blessing and covering with parents and the spiritual people praying for you and different things may have been happening, etc., etc. But basically, you were in charge. You on the throne of your heart, of your life, of your destiny, of your purpose, your plans, everything you were going to do, you were in charge. You were it. But, you know, when you came to that place and you realized that Jesus loved you so much, had forgiven you so much, and he loved you while you were a sinner, you know, we took us off of the throne of our heart and we made God number one. And we said to God, God, I've mucked my life up. I've really messed it up. I was in charge. I was doing what I wanted to do, my purpose, my plan. But Lord, I want to put you on the throne of my heart now. I want to make you number one. And so you stepped off your heart and you let God step into your heart, on the throne of your heart. In the beginning, God, you put God there. And what did he do? He created a new creation. The old passed away, and behold, all things became new. Your destiny was death, now it is life. Now you have eternal purposes, you have eternal destiny. God created, the old passed away, become all things became new. You were born again. You were born again. And all that Jesus spoke to Nicodemus about, you must be born again. What, 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 what? Must be born again. What's all that about? His religion gets in the way. His mindset. His religion was still number one on the throne of his heart. Have, is really God number one on the throne of your heart? This is the beginning of your legacy. This is understanding an eternal legacy. What you are going to do for Jesus, through Jesus, according to the father's will like jesus did not my will but yours be done the plan can be painful but the purpose is outstanding the purpose is outstanding and so in the beginning god created in the beginning you put god number one in your life and he will begin to create things in your circumstances he will make plans for your life he will direct your life he will do things now that doesn't mean that other people won't come against you because this is in the world we're talking about in the world and you've got your five enemies there all wrapped up in different parts but they're your five enemies and so people are going to double cross you deal you out rob you plunder You know what I mean? There's all sorts of things going on. But within the framework of if you've really let God be number one in your life, in your heart, he will navigate that through for the eternal purpose of God. For the eternal purpose of God. And so to help us through that, as much as Jesus died on the cross and... Forged this uh, amazing engagement ring. He wrote us a love letter at the same time. It's called the New Testament. It's called the Gospels. Call it whatever you want. He he wrote us a love letter. And he told us how much he loved us. What he had planned for us. What the future held for us. How to fulfill the plan and the purpose of God. It's all there. He wrote it he got Paul to write a fair bit of it. And he got the Holy Spirit to help Paul to write a fair bit of it. But it was, it was his love letter to us. And you know what we did with God's love letter? We crumpled it up, screwed it up, and we threw it back into the face of God. And we said, that's what we think of your love letter, God. How many times was the gospel preached to you? How many times did you hear the gospel? How many times did God come knocking on your heart's door? Please come home. All is forgiven. But you spat at his face. You crumpled his love letter up and threw it back in his face. And you said, that's what I think of your engagement ring. That's what I think of your love. That's what I think of your purpose. That's what I think of your plan. And threw it back in the face of God. But on the third day, God uncrumpled that love letter. He uncrumpled the love letter. On the third day when he rose again, he uncrumpled the love letter. He said, while you were sinners, I loved you and I still love you. Please come home. All is forgiven on the third day still loves us still wants us it's just truly amazing his great love for us we can deal with things on planet earth the earthly way or we can deal with things on planet earth the heavenly way we can we can Follow the path of God, or we can still have ourselves on the throne of our heart. We can come to a place of salvation and submit to God and get born again. The gifts of God are without repentance and He doesn't take them back. But He has a purpose for you, He has a destiny. But the things of earth are things of knowledge. The things of God Are promises that have power attached to them. See, when you came to Jesus, when you came to Jesus, He'd prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. And the Father's answer in the love letter uh, that Jesus wrote, the Father's answer was to us, earthlings, people on planet Earth who wouldn't know if we were standing on our own foot most of the time. he, he, he said to us, uh, yes, I will forgive you if you ask me to. There's something about cooperation. There's something about obedience. There's something about faith, that trusting God, that stepping out, that cooperating with God's promises. And so God said, yes, I will forgive them. God the Father said, yes, I will forgive them, son, if they ask me to, if they ask me to. And that's the gospel message. You go into all the world and let people know and ask people, will you give your life to Jesus? Will you accept God's free gift of eternal life, forgiveness? And if we come to 1 John 1.9, we'll find that the scripture says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just. If we confess our sin, if we say, Lord, I've messed it. I want to come home. Please forgive me. Take control of my life. I I just couldn't make it work. He says, all right, I will. I will create a new future. In the beginning, God created and he creates. Father, forgive them. Yes, son, I will if they ask me to. Are you asking God about Your tomorrow. You know how we ask God about our tomorrow? We call prayer. That's prayer. That's talking to God, you know. And you know how to build a super highway in your tomorrow instead of a dirt road? Pray. Send God the big machinery. The big tar machine, the big bulldozer, the big... I don't know what it is. I I see them at the side of the road, doing the road, and I think, oh, wonderful, we're going to have a nice highway here soon. You know, a bridge or something or other. Let him. Let him. He wants to. He loves us, and we love him too. While we were yet sinners, he loved us. Deal with things God's way in salvation. And the... In the circumstances of life, I had a mother came to me once and she had her daughter with her. And the mother came into my office and uh, the daughter came in and as I looked, I could see that she had her daughter with handcuffs on. She had handcuffs on her daughter. And so brought her daughter over. She was about, I don't know, fourteen, fifteen, young teenager, young teenager, and uh, she sat down, and uh, I said, well, "It's lovely, good to see you, mum." Uh, whatever I said, I can't remember what I said, and um, <coughs> I said, "But I do, I do remember." I said, "Can you take the handcuff off your daughter?" <coughs> and she, so she took the handcuff off her daughter. She was happy; the daughter was didn't run away. Amazing. And so mum told me everything the daughter had been doing. She'd got to a certain age, going to high school, meeting people, all these things were happening, etc. and the daughter was making decisions out of her own free will um, to go to parties on weekends and do this, that and the other. And so the mum uh, decided that she wasn't going to let the daughter out on the weekends, on Friday night or Saturday night when she had these parties. And, but the daughter used to then climb out the window, used to climb out the window. So mum said, then I put some bars or screens, she put something on the window, I can't remember what it was. So the kid couldn't get out, so she locked the door and bars on the window. So Friday, the kid wouldn't come home from school. She stayed out on weekend, partying, having a wild old time. And the mother was trying to leave a legacy, as it were, for her daughter of a good life. Is that right? The, the mother loved her daughter. And she was expressing her love for her daughter in all these things that she was doing. But the, it was the world's way of doing things. Was she actually setting her daughter free or was she bringing her into more bondage? I would say the handcuffs would show she's bringing her into more bondage. I doubt if she's being set free. <coughs> but she loves her daughter with an earthly love, with a motherly love, with a sacrificial love, etc., etc. But you see, the scripture talks about knowledge increasing in the last days. You can send your kids off to the shrinks, the psychs, the whatever, <coughs> and uh, knowledge is increasing. They can tell you this is how the brain works, this is how your foot works, this is how uh, your bowel works. Uh, you know, they've they got it all sorted out. They know how th- the whole lot, you know. <coughs> knowledge is increased. But knowledge isn't truth. Knowledge is knowledge, and good knowledge is. Good, two and two is four. Gee, it helps me add up. Two and two is four, that's good. Five and five is ten. Ooh, I'm getting into dangerous territory now, I'll leave it there. Uh, you, you know, And but that's knowledge. That's knowledge. Because this happened, that happened, they did this, this was ha- happened. Uh, you, that's knowledge. <coughs> but it's not truth. Truth has the power, divine, eternal power attached to it. Father, I confess my sin. We become a new creation. We put God on the throne. But we find the earthly, if we try and solve our things in the earthly way, we make things worse because we generally misinterpret what's happening. We misinterpret. We think we're smart. We think we've got it all together. But we misinterpret what's actually happening in our life. And in somebody else's life that we love, and we try to help. Hitler in the Second World War. They tried to blow him up, the generals in 1944. Get rid of him because he was prolonging the war. He was doing this. He was making bad mistakes. Da 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 da, and whatever else. And so they thought to bump him off. But it didn't work. He survived. His interpretation was. I have the divine purpose of God to fulfill this for my nation. That's how he interpreted it. God protected me. That's how he interpreted it where the generals wanted to bump him off so they could sue for peace, move all their soldiers back to the borders, defend the borders, stop the Russians coming in, stop the Americans, kill as many Americans as they could. The Americans would sue for peace because uh, the American people wouldn't want the war to be continuing and their soldiers dying and... uh, You you follow what I mean? They had a plan. Everybody was misinterpreting. Today, they're misinterpreting. They're bringing same-sex marriage. They bring in euthanasia. They bring in abortion. It's knowledge. But it's not truth. It's not what's going to set you free. It will actually bring people into more and more bondage. It will bring the devil's wrath. God won't hurt you. Why would he go to Calvary if he was going to hurt you? God's got no plan to hurt you. People go to hell... God doesn't send them there, he gives them what they want. People go to hell, they say, I don't want anything to do with God, I'm going to do it my way. And when they die, they're still on the throne of their heart, a bit of a wake-up call, but it's too late. It's too late. It's all too late. God will give them what they want. I want to be in a place where there's nothing of God. And that's what they're trying to do today. I want this, we want this, we want something else. I want to to be able to do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, and however I want to do it. And you better pass the laws and make it so. And man will. Politicians will. Give you whatever you want. And you wonder why wars, rumors of wars, bushfires, death, destruction, because the more God steps back, and that's what it'll do, he did it with his rights, he just steps back and he leaves you to your own plan and purposes like you were before you were saved and you'll find you'll destroy yourself, you'll destroy others, you'll destroy all sorts of things this is my introduction Um, not to worry (laughs) I've got two major points to make Uh, in the next minute not to worry Um, (coughs) I'm only up to scripture one (laughs) and I've given a whole lot in but not to worry Uh, we'll praise the Lord anyway Um, and so the the world will, because God will step back because God's a gentleman I will forgive them if they ask me to but they say no I want to do it my way thank you very much I want to do it my way, not your way. And they wonder why, in the realm of time, they will destroy the planet. And I've got scriptures out of Revelation, I've got all sorts of things, and etc. But they'll destroy things. Mankind will destroy themselves and those along with them. But if you want to leave a legacy, if you want to leave an eternal footprint, you need to really. Let God be God. Make him number one in your life. John, John 3.16 says it so very well. In the beginning God loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life is a quality as well as forever. It is a quality of life. One change. Won't go away. It's everlasting. I said to the mother with her daughter, who she loved, was making sacrifice for, to try and give her an inheritance in time to make her life before she really mucked it up as a young teenager. I said to the mother after she because I kept asking the daughter a question, and mum kept answering. So I said to mum, how would you like to pop outside so I can have a little chat with your daughter? So mum chatted, went outside and we had a glass door there and she walked up and down chain smoking. She was chain smoking while she walked up and down. (coughs) And I asked the little girl a few questions and she really didn't answer. Then I said to her, do you love your mother? Do you love your mother? Do you love your mother? This is the mother who brought her in in handcuffs. And she said, yes, I do love my mother, but she's making my life very difficult at the moment. She's making it very difficult for me at the moment. Yes, I love my mother, but she's making my life very difficult. Or words similar to that. You've got two people here. You've got a mother and a daughter Who seriously love each other, but are destroying each other's life. But they are destroying each other's life. Because they're dealing with things in an earthly fashion. They were dealing with things in an earthly fashion, an earthly plan. Mother, I'm going to handcuff you, so I'm going to put bars on the window, I'm going to do this, that and the other. Instead of the promises of God, she didn't understand God. She couldn't release God. She didn't know the pathway of God. She didn't know the plan of God. She didn't know the purpose of God. She knew nothing about God. Didn't want. I saw her on the TV some months later. Daughter there, faces covered in black. Had the daughter in handcuffs still. Hadn't learned anything. Hadn't learned anything. So these two people who loved each other are the two people who are actually destroying each other. And I could go on and on and on, but I'm not going to um let me just jump to the finish i've got two really good points but not to worry we'll just jump to the finish if we are going to fulfill the purpose of god you need to you need to learn to walk and work with the holy spirit with the holy spirit who was jesus's best friend on planet earth he had the disciples, but he he had emptied himself. He was truly God, truly man, limited, kenosis. he put aside his glory, etc. Who was Jesus' greatest friend? It was the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus never performed a miracle. Who performed the miracles? The Holy Spirit performed the miracles. Jesus did what the Father had shown him to do. I always obey my Father. His Father was to obey the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I go away. But I send you another comforter, the Holy Spirit. He's like unto myself. Follow him, watch him, listen to him. He'll take you on the right path. He'll take you. He'll empower you. You don't need any power. You need power. That's why we get baptized in the Holy Spirit to sort our own life out. Like our testimony this morning. You know what I mean? We need that power of the Holy Spirit within us so that we can uh, grow in Jesus. But the purposes of God... I finish with this verse in Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through to 13. And at the time, Jesus came from Nazareth into Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. Torn open. It's a whole story there. And the Spirit descending on him like a dove. It's the Holy Spirit. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love With you, I am well pleased. When we get to heaven, it doesn't matter what man says, and man may give you awards and pat you on the back and this, that, and the other, but it's when I hear Jesus say, Well done, when I hear the Father say, Well done, when I hear the Holy Spirit say, Well done, I'll be happy. I'll be happy. And it says, You are my beloved son, uh, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him into the desert. At once the Spirit sent him. At once. As soon as the Father had spoken to Jesus, you got the Trinity here. You got the Father, you got Jesus, and you got the Spirit. The Father's love for God so loved the world. The Father's love for us. The Father's love. Jesus who is willing to go the pathway to achieve the purpose, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And the Spirit now that it was filled with the Spirit, it says there, the Spirit sent him into the desert. Didn't say he decided he'd go into the desert. He said the Spirit sent him into the desert if you want to make eternal footprints in the sands of time learn to walk with the holy spirit it's the day of the holy spirit jesus couldn't perform miracles i can't perform miracles i can trust god i can believe god i can step out in faith i can cooperate with god i can do all these things and uh, uh, god can fulfill his plan and his purpose etc 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 as long as he's number one on my throne of my heart And the Holy Spirit, if I talk and listen, and so my prayer every morning is the same in my heart. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Now, I understand the three things. I'm a servant, I'm a servant son, and then I'm a friend. Sermon there as well. But in my heart, I say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. It's my heart's attitude. I know I'm a son, and I know I'm a friend. A friend of God like Abraham. I understand that. No walk in that. And I have the engagement ring. I'm looking forward to the new Jerusalem. Lord bless you. Thank you, Pastor. And It's lovely to see Jacob and Melissa, two little monsters when they come to Teen Challenge. <laughs> I, I actually was thinking of having their photo, of their police photos holding up there. Uh, you know, you wouldn't think the little uh, little angels that they are now. God, they, they were monsters. God bless you. Thanks, Melissa. Awesome.